Welcome to episode 397 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Sunday, October 16th. Game 2 of the NLCS is just underway. Kershaw v. Hendricks. I'm Paul Spohr, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how's it going? Uh, it's going better now that Skype actually works. But... Uh, don't, don't hold your breath too long. It'll, it'll, be, back, <laughs> it'll be back on the fritz in no time. It's been a long, uh, long day. We went up, went us up in the mountains, uh, enjoying the fall and all the amazing colors that that show up here in North Carolina this time of year when you get up uh, right now it's about 4,000 feet. It's just like, it's just awesome. If you are follow me on Facebook or, or Twitter, I put, I put some pictures up today. It was pretty awesome to get out there and check all that stuff out. Very nice. I was spent the, uh, the day running around town trying to get a new phone. Cause apparently these T-Mobile stores are out of phones, Jason. Really? The, f- the phone store is out of phones. I also heard that the iCloud doesn't exactly store your stuff either. Um, no. Now, I did get some help to where, um, putting, putting, uh, what's it called? Uh, updating to the latest thing, to the yeah. la- latest iOS certainly helped. For example, the main thing that I really wanted, this will surprise nobody, especially given what we're doing right now, was my podcasts, the ones I haven't listened to yet. There are some, like, entertainment podcasts that I listen to that I have no problem listening to an April episode in the winter because it's just with some actor or uh, entertainment person that I like. And so I don't mind listening to it. I thought they were all gone. Once I updated, that that worked. But I knew I wasn't going to have all the pictures because I had a 64-bit gig phone and i don't have 64 so jealous so jealous i only have a 16 phone 16 is impossible it's work it is impossible i am always having to like purge my stuff out just so i can like download a podcast so i wanted to upgrade my phone either get a six plus um actually that's all i wanted was a six plus but they didn't have that all they had was another six which is fine but it's a 128 so now i won't run out of space the problem is so i I knew i wasn't going to get every picture i had but i thought the icloud icloud was uploading like I don't know, a couple gigs of them. So I thought I was going to get those. And so far, no dice on that. So we'll see. I'm going to get it figured out. And if not, I'll go to the Apple store tomorrow. But uh, that's what I've been doing. And my my old phone wasn't working off of Wi-Fi. So even when I'm going Ooh. around, I, I couldn't use my phone. It was a brick. It was. It, I mean, I had a couple podcasts, but I couldn't do anything. Like, good thing I knew where I was going because I couldn't, I couldn't even use the map. I, I couldn't do anything. So I had to go to two or three different... Uh, Two different spots today, one yesterday, so three in total. Kind of annoying, but it's all set. Got a new phone. Good to go. Um, and, and we get to talk some baseball. Oh, yeah. And... Before I forget, suck at Eagles fans. Um, go Ooh. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone cares about the Rams, but they can suck it too because the Lions actually won the game. <laughs> Although, you know who can really suck it? And this is this one might hit you, and you know what? I'm okay with it. I know exactly what you're going to say too, but go ahead. Blake Bortles. Oh. Is a is a bag of trash. Okay, he is a and bag of trash. Although I, I bench I bench I bench Carson Wentz for him too, um, so it didn't matter. <laughs> well, you, you actually got, it was probably a little bit better for you, right? I, oh. I I've had the worst time picking, and I made the change late last night like a dummy, convincing myself that the Rams defense was good. So I took out my boy Stafford for Bort, and that <sighs> didn't work. And then in the other league, I took him out for your other boy Kirk. For Kirk Cousins, and that uh, one was a little bit closer. That one wasn't the end of the world, yeah. but uh, the Stafford one basically cost. No, me the I game. got boat raced. I got the league. I started three and zero in. I got boat raced because Stafford. I went against Stafford and everything, and then. He, uh, but he, the the baseball writers league, the baseball writers league that I'm in, I'm five and one now. There so you go. Yay me. There's football corner. There's okay? my secret. So that, play play fantasy football with baseball guys. against baseball folks. Exactly. <laughs> That's football corner for y'all. We talk yes. about our teams uh, a little bit. We we applaud our football teams when they win and lament our fantasy. But other than that, that's it. Football corner over. Let's talk some some playoffs here. Now this is basically going to be an AL focused episode outside of a little bit of game one NLCS talk toward the end here. And we're going to cycle back to uh, to that Boston series, Boston-Cleveland, because I want to talk about David Price. Obviously, this isn't someone you have a lot of experience watching, and, and you kind of know the ins and outs of his game. He was crushed again in the playoffs. And, you know, we have two superstar lefties in the playoffs that are really trying to get monkeys off their back, at least in terms of perception. Now, I, I mentioned the perception piece because I don't think Clayton Kershaw is actually bad in the playoffs, certainly not to the level that a lot of people want to believe, and certainly not to the level of his 
ERA, and that's part of why ERA is garbage, uh, because he, he gave up five runs in his most recent outing against Washington. That was not a five-run outing. There was There's no way. But the bullpen tanked him again. And so I don't think Kershaw's as bad as, as we want to believe. But Price, I think he is. And, and, and it's... it's it's really been problematic at this point. They go ahead and get swept out. Did you get to see Price's start? And if not, how are you feeling about Price as a playoff pitcher? I know it doesn't affect fantasy as much, but this is becoming a thing, I, I think. Yeah, it's it's tough to watch. So I will, I'm going to pull up a, a, a text history from my best friend back in Orlando. I mean, we've been watching baseball together uh, since 1989. So th- these were the texts he sent me in that game. What does Price throw? He doesn't have anything off speed. And I gave him his repertoire. I said, he's never taken well to a changeup or pitching in October. Yeah, it's time for him to work on one. He'll be the next CC Sabathia in no time. It's all the same speed. And I said, it well, is. when he commands it, it works. When he doesn't, when, he, when he's off, it doesn't. Uh, slider, question mark. Uh, everything is off his fastball for him. If it's not working, rest of it fails. Wow. Lack of fastball command. Brock's error didn't help him either. Um, and I said, now he's net and now anyhow, he's letting Napoli steal a base and he goes, yes. Fred Kona wants to destroy the Red Sox. Um, yeah. And then he sent me memes. Don't tell the Red Sox. I can't win in October. And it's David <laughs> Price waving Brock star cost him another run. You know, that's, that's everything. So that's the, that's the, the text history, uh, with him. And I don't, I mean, you and I have watched Price pitch forever. It's just one of these things. I don't know if it's just in his head at this point. I mean, it's not like that the scouting report's a secret on him. But the same thing no. with everybody else. You know, you know what Kershaw and maybe of Kershaw's course. not the best example. You know example. all these guys. You know all these the guys. There are no secrets. But no. it's just like with the you know even even Chapman's been hit his last couple of times here, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he looked at me. If you watched that that, that game last night, the one hundred two, the one hundred three, and you thought he was going to get, he got the first out, he got the second out, and uh, Adrian Gonzalez was just sitting there waiting for that pitch, and he got yeah. it, and he took it right back up the middle because they were talking about it on the broadcast, <laughs> and he was telling Puig, look, look for it outside, just try to take it back up the middle, don't try to pull it, you're never going to be able to do it. That, that was you know? great, by the way, where you saw him with his arms around Puig saying here's what you got to do and 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 just because he gave him the, the the scouting report doesn't mean that Puig has to execute there but it was clear that Gonzalez uh perhaps among others but I don't know Gonzalez for sure knew what to look for when you're going up there against Chapman calmed himself you know th- th- I think part of it's got to be kind of keeping your nerves at ease when you're going up against Chapman as well and 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 got a hit back through the box it is interesting to see Chapman ever get hit like it it, it, it truly is it was weird. kind of funny it was the you know Watching the game last night, I'm sitting there tweeting. I'm like, you know, if you're throwing 101 to 103, as tempting as it is to just snap a slider to make some of these guys look stupid. And then Mike Petriello said that. He's like, you know, just throw an off-speed pitch so we can all see how silly they would look. But for (laughs) me, I don't want to speed up the bat. If you're blowing 103 by guys... You yep. know, don't get cute. Just keep throwing it down. And but I mean, I, with a guy like Adrian Gonzalez, who's such a good hitter, uh, to like that, maybe that's a situation where you do do that and see what happens there. But he had thrown what twelve straight fastballs at that point with all the bases loaded, plus. and and Gonzalez is like, I don't. All I'm gonna do is guess location if it's where I'm wanted. I'm taking a hack. He didn't, even, you know, hitting is about eliminate the eliminating the other pitches. Chapman had done that for him. Uh, but I, I don't. I don't blame him. I don't blame him for attacking him with his best weapon. He just missed his spot in that. But I don't think he wanted to go there with that one. But he missed his spot. Uh, so that's the thing with with prices. You know he's coming in with heavy fastballs, and if you pound, if you jump early on him, and he's if he's throwing, he's going to be around the strike zone too. That's the other thing about him is he's always around the strike zone. So you don't have to. Sure. Yeah, you just mm-hmm. go up there smacking it. And and that. That's that's what we've seen out of Price in the playoffs. He's still not walking anybody. Right. But the the home run rate takes takes a jump up, and we saw that actually at large this year in his season. David Price had a one point two homer per nine rate, uh, matching his career high from his rookie season. Does back that feel in like league average though? I, I haven't I haven't sat down to look at the final numbers this year, but with all the crazy home home runs this year, one point two feels like league average for a starting pitcher now. It's probably pretty close too, which is which is insane to think. I, I'm gonna I look that up that right up. now. Yeah, I was gonna oh, look that up, but I'm just I'm like I was thinking about that the other day because I'm thinking you know usually we 1.0 you're like okay yeah, it's kind of high. You're there right. you go. All right, you're right. Well, 
it, it seemed to hurt him, you know, more than more than other guys too, because he also gave up a, a full hit per nine more than than last year David right. Price did. So that also kind of impacted him. If he gave up the same seven point eight hits, it'd be a Max Scherzer thing where he was giving up homers but kind of living with it. And it's just the, the home run is so dangerous, especially as you kind of click over to thirty and and you start getting older, maybe losing a little bit. You add a few more base runners, they obviously become a lot more devastating. Like I mentioned, Scherzer's at that point now where it's still a lot of solo shots and so they're not as harmful but uh you know was it you said your buddy was the one who kind of compared him to cc yeah you know i i kind of actually agree with that to the degree that when cc started walking more guys and stopped you know it's great to have a a, have a low walk rate right you don't want to give up free passes but when you're just trading them for hits anyway maybe it's a situation where you don't give in you walk a guy and live to fight another day and especially price right now who's at 30 as opposed to cc at 35 maybe it is a situation where he has to say listen as great as it is to have that sparkling two or or fewer walk rate maybe i get back to two and a half maybe even upwards of three in some situations obviously you're not setting a target per nine but maybe figure out some situations where it's okay to just throw a pitch that if if, if a guy is going to flail at it great if he's not let him take his walk and start over with the next batter i think right. that that's something that that price might have to look at particularly in the park that he's in there is also the one factor of the new contract the new giant contract with the new team that first year is always a little bit worse, or, or I shouldn't say always, but the numbers overall. That not every player is worse, but the 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 composite group is a little bit worse. So I wasn't even in on price at all this year because of that. I wouldn't be surprised if he got a little bit better next year. Um, although if another velocity drop happens, then that could be that could be trouble for him as well. So I'm a little bit torn on price as we head into 2017. Do you have a feel for where you're interested in drafting him? Um. It really hasn't changed me because he's still been, you know, fantasy baseball doesn't it doesn't happen in October. That's really the good thing yeah, about it. He got a, he got off to a bad start, but you, you kind of gave him that pass because of the contract, and then he got really hot in the second half, and then things kind of fell off. But if like if you look at his at his run values right now, you know you know. Honestly, the changeup was his best pitch, uh, but he just you know, and he threw it 22. When I'm when I'm looking at the stuff right now, he threw his changeup 23 percent of the time. Uh, looking at the pitch values, the changeup was the best pitch he had. Everything else was sub was sub um, par uh, for so, him. Well, it- and as negatively as I'm speaking about him, keep that keep in mind that it's in the context of aces because I still had David Price as my tenth guy, and I, and and the comment I made in my my early top twenty four was that for all the talk of the struggles, and there were some, mm-hmm. uh, he was still a top twenty arm because sure. of his strong whip and a great strikeout rate and a boatload of innings, and of course he got a bucket full of wins with that club, and I don't see any reason why that wouldn't continue outside of uh, of of plain luck. You know he might he might be the unlucky guy on the rotation who gets saddled with thirteen when he deserves 17 but uh for the most part i think you can pencil him in for at least 15 uh for david price he's in 200 two plus starts, innings he's missed two starts in three years you That's know the uh, and, and really the era healthy. this was Great the highest mechanics. it was this is the highest it was and we knew there was going to be a bit of a bump going to fenway it just was it, it was rather unavoidable uh yeah. for him so that that's there but we'd like to see i mean if you kind of want to get a, a peek at where he is i think i've talked about this book before but the complete guide to pitching by Derek johnson um is Derek johnson's a guy out of vanderbilt uh where david price went to college oh, uh, yeah, but yeah, he, yeah. he beat, he's he's mentioned there quite a bit and you know he's talked to he talked about that book when he was here in tampa bay and and so it's something I, I recommend. I, I still have it on my iPad and my Kindle. Um, oh, my birthday's coming up, everybody. There feel you go. Free, feel yeah. free to get Paul's it for birthday, me. I believe, is October 24th. Woo! Um, that's right. Look at that look friendship, at that. How y'all. good of a friend am I, right? Look at that friendship, y'all. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but that's a really good book. So if you read in there, it talks about uh, some stuff. But, you know – Eventually, he's going to have to figure out how he can pitch without this fastball. And the the growth of the changeup, as far as as pitch values this year, is nice. Um, but did it come at the at the mercy? I'm look, I'm missing a word here. But if, for his fastball run value to drop down like that, that's a little worrisome. But the changeup, I mean, if he can get this, if he can get this Kyle Hendricks changeup, a Hendricks is throwing the night. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be nice. I don't know why. Um, it's just frustrating for me because Price, there are times when you watch him pitch, he's like, man, that's ace stuff when he gets to October. Maybe it's a mental thing uh, well, for him. Remember- he's not – he's honestly – my. this is just my personal opinion, not the strongest mental guy. Like, you know, he, he's flappable. 
Well, yeah, and I think part of that, and this this is a weird way to put it, because I think that sometimes we would think the opposite. I think some of that comes from the more cerebral guys can actually can actually be uh, are, are a little bit more flappable because I right. think sometimes they think too much. Yeah, right. Maybe sometimes the big dumb oafs. They're not as worried about like they they don't process things similarly or 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 on the level that we're talking about, so they're not re- really impacted by certain things. I think Price always has the gears turning out there. I think he is a sharp guy, and he gets in his head, and that's when that's when things become especially problematic for him. So I would not even be surprised if, uh, as you mentioned, the playoff situation is now part of his thinking. Yeah, oh, like oh not God, everybody, i got to go out there and be perfect tonight. Not everybody's the clue bot. You can't go out there and right? pitch with emotion. Or like Wade Davis, you can't go out there and pitch without emotion. Um, God, Kyle Hendricks changeup. It's so pretty. Uh, I mean, he had, he had Adrian Gonzalez there fouling off a 90. I mean, uh, he was way late on a 90, and then he just swings right over top of a changeup. If I could have like Hendricks and Estrada pitch against each other, Oh, it would be so pretty. That hey, it, it could still I, I, although I picked I picked the Cubs Cleveland World Series before the season started, so I'm a happy guy now. What? But, oh nice. yeah, go back and pull the eye. I said I said Cleveland, Very and they're nice. still here without without two of their three best pitchers too. Exactly. Um, you know, I mean, I picked them before the playoffs, which is not special, right? When there's only right. when there's only a handful of teams, but that was the team that I was kind of going for. Um, and then the Cubs too. I, you know, it's just hard to pick against the Cubs. But yeah, yeah. Cleveland was the one I'm like, okay, I think I, I kind of thought that they were, they were going to rise up too. One of the things is like whenever it looks like a team can't is when they do, right? right. And and you know, Paul Hoynes had to kind of take it on the chin, the, the, the beat writer out there who said after the Carrasco injury that this is effectively the end of it. Hey, at least he owned I, up to it and apologized. He, he totally too. owned it. He to, you know, props to him for totally yes. owning it because he got punked for it. He got punked for it right when it happened because the got players were by upset. Bauer pretty hard I, too. <laughs> I understand. I understand why the players were mad at it. I also understand why he said it. But now that it's clear that obviously he was wrong, he wrote a whole column owning it, and and you have to respect that. If you're going to keep beating him up for it, I, I just at some point you got to kind of move on because he, he already owned it. He, yes. he got it. We, the point. The point is made. But I really like this. Uh, this Cleveland team. Andrew Miller is just so devastating, and I, I really do like the way that they're using him. I'm going to skip around here a little bit on the uh, on the rundown because we are talking about Cleveland. I got to give a hat tip here. Speaking of of admitting when you're wrong, at least on a one start basis here, I I love. I, I've made a pastime out of clowning Josh Tomlin. Oh, because, yeah. uh, you know, I didn't buy into him at all this year, even when he got off to another fantastic start um, to kind of carry over what he did last year in 10 starts after injury. And it was all because of home runs. And, you know, I, I, in the end, I, I feel vindicated. I was proven right there with a 440 ERA and 174 innings. The 119 whip was there's still probably AL usefulness for sure. Yeah. But hey. You know, all that resets, and he went out, and he really stepped up for them. Uh, You mentioned Trevor Bauer out with an injury, (laughs) repairing his drone. (laughs) Be a bigger nerd. This coming from a giant nerd, believe me. But, uh, (laughs) you know, that's just hilarious that that's – I mean, it's hilarious, but not, right? Because, obviously, he could have seriously impacted his team, and if they were down 0-2, it certainly wouldn't be all that funny. But he hurt his finger, so he had to be switched from Game 2 to Game 3. You pushed Josh Tomlin up, and he went out there, and I I think this word gets overused sometimes, but he went out there and shoved. Shoved. And and, and to the point where not only was he shoving, but he was shoving on a level that was different from what we normally see from Tomlin. He was keeping the ball out of the air because he is such a home run prone guy going up against a home run dominant team. You want to be careful with that contact because it doesn't take much for them to just lift you up and, and, and hit one out. Here's Big the time. thing. The, the, what was crazy about that, because I, I did a radio spot back in Orlando with a friend of mine who has a show there, and we talked about this matchup. And I was like, look, Tomlin led the American League in home runs, um, and this is a team that likes to hit them. And he tells me the, the Vegas had Toronto heavily favored in that game too, I guess because of that same recipe. They're like, mm-hmm. wait, a lot of sluggers? Guy gives up a bunch of home runs? Oh, yeah, I think it was a plus 200. Now, wow. I don't I don't play Vegas, but I At just – that was a big line, and 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 Tomlin went out there and generated a bunch of ground balls, which tells me that he pit. I, I did not get to see most of that game, uh, so I was I was uh, I saw like three innings of it when I was eating very dinner. Well. Uh, you know but what, what I did see, I saw a lot of I did see you know, a lot of uh, pitching really hitting his spots uh, in what I saw, and then uh, you know guys over swinging in the ground balls. They absolutely were, and you know what I'm surprised by. 
he actually changed his his ground ball fly ball ratio this year and still gave up the homers. He was a flat 37.5, like on the dot for three straight seasons. Well, actually two, because he only pitched two innings in 2013, Josh Tomlin yeah. did. So for the last 14 and 15, 37 and a half on the dot, um, more fly balls than ground balls. Well, this year he jumped up to 44% on the ground ball rate, so that's average. but obviously was still giving up homers so, because he's because all over he he's hit, all over the strike hit. zone because he i mean that they were talking about it because i was listening to listening to the game on the because i was going to um a uh, college football game here in the area so i'm on my way to the game before i, I had dinner where we watched it uh, i was listening to it and tom hamilton was talking about it and, and, and that's hamilton. been oh he's awesome i love listening to him on the broadcast um but he was talking about it the fact i didn't get because you know i'm in the car and he's talking about you know tom will give up oh two home runs because he doesn't like giving in he at it, all the, the quote that mickey calloway gave is josh tomlin always thinks he can get the guy out with the very next pitch yep that's the quote he used and i was like that's, that's such perfect. a beautiful it's such a beautiful quote um and i think you know for a guy to give up 36 homers like that and i think his walk rate was what one nine two one you know he's also he's always around the strike zone kind of thing he doesn't want to give in to guys uh, and so that's going to happen if you're always around around the strikes i mean price gave up 30 with a very similar and walk rate that's a, i was going to circle back to price obviously there are different pitchers in that price is better but this is the future that price is headed for as his velocity comes down. So that's what I'm talking about. The CC thing, once you start getting up in your mid-30s and your velocity comes down to where Tomlin's already is, if you're not getting those strikeouts, that's when you start to get in some trouble. 9.7 hits, uh, only 6.1 strikeouts for Tomlin. That's how you get a 1-9 home run rate. Only 1.0 walks. He led baseball. He does not walk, guys. I, I, again, it's great. I was it's high fun. with 1-9. <laughs> Yeah, you were you were way too high. You almost, you doubled him up. That's uh, ridiculous. It, it, it's so tough to clown a guy for doing something like that. That is always seen as a positive. But again, I think maybe a few more well placed walks might actually serve Tomlin very well to help him maintain a full season of the uh, low to mid three ZRA, which is what he held through the bulk of this year. I mean, he went into August with a three forty three, and I was ready to eat crow, saying, "Oh, you know, he's going to do two more months of this, and I'm going to look like a." Fool. Well, then he goes seven, seven, three, six, seven, four for August. That was his August. The August really did it because then he really sharpened right back up in September, going one, 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 and two. Uh, so you know, it was only one month that that made me right on Tomlin, but it was such a disastrous month, and the timing of it in August probably really hurt a lot of folks. He gave you twenty six and two thirds innings of an eleven forty eight ERA. Guess how many homers he allowed in those ten starts? Uh, 16. 10. 10. <laughs> Still pretty brutal. Still pretty brutal. All right, let's talk some Jays. Because they've obviously they're down 0-2. That's going to be problematic here. But I got some questions uh, fantasy-related for them. We, we saw Aaron Sanchez in that first series. He allowed six, six earned runs in five and two-thirds. But it was only three hits. Again, this is one of those where if you look at the box screen, you're like, oh, Aaron Sanchez got ripped up. But if you watched him, you understand that he was, he was mostly uh, effective throughout that start against Texas. And I want to say that maybe even the bullpen gave up a couple of those runs. But even if he gave them all, all up, it wasn't a situation where he was, where he was crushed. And I know it's hard to justify a six earned run outing, but again, three hits, but there were four walks, five strikeouts, a couple of homers too. So it was the key hit that, that really got, got to him. Now we were talking a little bit about Sanchez. I think during his start, which was a week ago today, um, during that, during that other crap show that was on, on TV at the same time, I was trying to keep an eye on, on both of those things. Where do you, where do you value Sanchez next year? Cause it undoubtedly had an amazing season I fully, fully uh, endorse the fact that they took the reins off. They did not cap him. They would have. They needed him. They were not going to make the playoffs without Aaron Sanchez this year. So he threw 192 innings, exactly 100 more than he threw last year. AL best three ERA, AL best .7 home run rate, seven and a half strikeouts. Strikeouts aren't his game. It's it's weak contact, ground ball contact. Mm -hmm. Great pitcher, but a 24 year old coming off of a 100 plus. Uh, uh, 100 inning plus sort of uh, boost. I know that that alone doesn't doesn't make him a, a a risk. Like that one thing, you can't just say that's automatically a risk. 
but I think you and I are a little bit more tepid on him, even though we like him as a pitcher. How do you feel about Aaron Sanchez next year? We are. So I'll work backwards a little bit. You know, we had a we had a, uh, a Twitter discussion with a guy, uh, Doctor Mike. Son or Son or Sonny, I'm gonna say Son. So if he's listening, I I apologize if I slaughtered the last name. Uh, But profile has him as an injury prevention researcher. I like science and I like baseball. Um, so he had a, he was talking to us a little bit. He wrote a paper that talked about a little bit about uh, I uh, I read the intro. I haven't been able to sit down and read the whole thing. Um, my plans to do that on Tuesday when I'm flying around. Shocker, I'm flying somewhere. Uh, <laughs> but I wanted to read that. But if, if we t- if we think back to the the red flags that you myself and Eno have talked about throughout the year, you know high velocity check Sanchez has got that uh, slider usage check he's got that. And well, oh by the way, I'm sorry. Go ahead. We got corrected on that one, though. Um, well, so heavy fastball usage. Yes, right? the fastball usage was right, but he's curved more than he is slider. Yeah. All right, so but heavy breaking ball usage. All right, so let's go, let's we'll say that, and then we're talking about a guy who went from ninety-two regular season innings to one hundred and ninety-two regular season innings, and more high leverage postseason innings. So we're looking at we're looking at a guy that's going to go 110 more innings. I haven't even looked at the pitch count yet, but there's a lot of red flags there for me. Somebody's going to pay 20 bucks for this guy next year. I mean, he was the AL ERA champ. Somebody's mm-hmm. getting up paying 20 20 bucks for him. It's not going to be this guy. No, and and I'm with you. And and for me, it was a little y- yours was a little bit more definitive. I'm not going to be able to quit him completely. I'm not going to be able to fully. Oh, he's not him. dead I'm, to me. He's not dead I'm to gonna me. I'm going to buy one. I'm going to buy a share somewhere at the high price. I'm okay with it, just because I, in case, in case we're we're overreacting. But normally, this is a guy without some of these concerns where I would be all in, like fully and ready to go uh, on Sanchez. But I'm going to pull back a little bit, and it's only one sample point well there's a couple within the same team but look at the uh, look at the young Mets right yes look at their rotation like that's 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 the one that's standing out to me as the be careful uh with Sanchez and I know that there are all different sorts of things here and again it's not a one-to-one equal that you could just say well because it happened to these Mets it something's going to happen to Sanchez but he did have some scares uh coming up as well I I don't think there were any full-on injuries or surgeries but there were uh situations because his innings were severely limited coming up they really did like a tandem thing with him they were really trying to take care of him because you know who else he was pitching with down there Noah Syndergaard. Yes, he um, was. They, they they came up together, and and so you look what happened with that whole Mets team. Mats obviously had injury issues. Harvey thoracic outlet. Wheeler. Uh, Wheeler never came back. Bulky, uh, bulky elbow situations for for Syndergaard. Now they didn't really impact him. Like he had a couple wobbly starts, but for the right. most part, he was still amazing. I'm not trying to suggest that he wasn't or, or that he wasn't brilliant. But I just I look at that team at large, and they had this great, amazing rotation that ended up being Seth Lugo and Robert Gesellman. Oh, I didn't even mention Degrom. Uh, and so you know, all of a sudden it went from these five untouchable guys or four untouchables in Cologne, who's perfectly solid as a five, to Thor, Cologne, Gesellman, Lugo. And I think either you or Eno was going to go if they needed another starter. I was getting stretched out down in Las Vegas. And uh, yeah, I know Eno was actually at Port St. Lucie because it just uh, it, it worked out better for him to face that lower level talent. But I know one of you guys was going to make that uh, divisional series roster if they would have won that wild card game. So I don't know. I just I, I want to be careful, especially if they come back and win this series and keep pushing, because then there's going to be even more high leverage innings. And there is just something to that grind and then the the, the hangover. It's not even necessarily that it's going to be injury. I could just see Aaron Sanchez just kind of wearing down a little bit in the in the dog days and and having some more blow up outings than he would have had if he were a little bit fresher that's it i'm not even predicting like a a 50 inning sort of season just maybe a half run to more higher era like a 350 360 sort of deal which would still be good but i don't really want to pay 20 bucks for a 360 era if it doesn't come with a strikeout per inning and now i again to kind of keep going on this because i really do like sanchez I think he'll add strikeouts as he moves forward, but I don't think it'll necessarily be next year. So I think both you and I are going to be just a little bit lower on him than the consensus. And it's going to be one of those ones where we have to say, we, we, we like the guy, but there's this. So, I mean, my, but this is the innings. I mean, 25, then I'm doing math in my head here, 55, 
then 90, then uh, one, uh, 110, then 133, then 92, and now 192. Plus the extra, and I feel like I, I feel like should be like one point five. They should the be. They, I feel like I've read this piece somewhere, and I'm going to put it out on Twitter and leave, like hang myself out there. But I feel like somebody has written how does the postseason, how do starting pitchers perform the season after having to pitch? I think Jeff the, did it. Jeff Zimmerman. Zimmerman. Okay, I, I, I know I read something back back in the spring. Talked about it because I th- maybe he was writing about the Royals because you know the Royals well, he was finally about did Bumgarner. everything. Specifically, okay. I believe, and 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 his findings. Yeah, that's were, all coming together. That is all th- coming together now. Okay, they were inconclusive in terms of there's no one set thing, but it was some some fall and some don't, and so it's a situation where you gotta gotta you gotta kind of go case by case. Bumgarner, yeah, he had that big innings workload in the uh, in the 2014 season, but he'd had some big workloads before. To the point with Sanchez, this is his first big one, and that's that's why it's a little bit alarming um and so that's yeah i i i think i've said my piece on on him i like sanchez i will still be talking him up um to a degree especially in keeper situations but when it comes to for example you being going to be an al tout or al labor i mean i i don't think you can pay that 20 and he's going to go for 20 in that league mm-hmm. and and, yes. and so that's something i think you have to be careful with so that's aaron sanchez let's talk about uh, a couple guys that they might not be uh, might not be supporting sanchez next year They've got Edwin Encarnacion and Jose Bautista raking in the playoffs. Now, when I first wrote that, uh, it was for the episode Eno and I last did, and we, we ended up skipping it to this episode. They're not raking so much anymore now that they're facing Cleveland, but they did very well against Texas. They hit five homers combined. They're both free agents. Do they keep one, none, or both? None. I don't, think, I don't think he – I honestly – I don't know how Encarnacion does not end up as David Ortiz's replacement. It's so perfect. Everyone keeps saying it. it I, I want it to happen badly. And I'm not even a Red Sox fan. I don't. I'm an anti-Red Sox fan. I don't. I know, I know favorite, you don't, and I know why you don't. My favorite hitter against my least favorite – well, my least favorite team, but it I, makes I, way I too f- much sense. I fully understand why you don't. But as a baseball fan who just wants to watch him, watch him absolutely continue to rake – Oh, he I goes mean, to Hall. I think he goes to Hall of Fame. He puts that up. I um, agree. But yeah, so that's it. Just makes too much sense. It's going to be stupid money being thrown his direction, or the Yankees. I mean, I, I don't see. Uh, honestly, I can make the case for either of either of them not leaving the division, but not staying with Toronto. Yeah. What What do you think about Bautista then? I think you've well, got to same, put him in the DH. I mean, teams? kind of, but if at least Encarnacion can quote unquote play the field. If you've Dude. watched Bautista, Bautista can't throw anymore, man. He's out there playing right field with a left fielder's arm. I don't know if I mentioned this on the pod with Eno or maybe with you at some point, but I feel like I mentioned it on the podcast. The reason I know that he sucks at fielding is because his fielding is terrible on MLB The Show. And because <laughs> I, I didn't realize that he'd fallen off. The reason I bring that up is because I didn't realize he'd fallen off. And the fact that they rated him so lowly made me take a second look and say, wait, why? I thought he was a good fielder, you know, because he has a pretty good arm when he's on. Not anymore. And, and he used to be a good fielder that could play third, right, first, left. Um, he could even fake center for a few innings when he was really going he's terrible and i think it's the shoulder injury that's really gotten him because his really... throws aren't good and then add in some some age-related decline on speed and 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 route efficiency and you've got yourself a terrible fielder so he's got to go be a dh somewhere with maybe some first fill-ins like a 20 games at first sort of deal and I don't know if the Yankees want to plug DH again. Like that's the, the, they don't. They just got out of having four or five guys who probably needed to be DH only. I don't right. know if they want to do it again. You know who does? Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore that's loves where I can, doing that. That's where I can, yeah, and they you know they love Jose Bautista, right? Um, so <laughs> well, when, once he's on their team, they will. When, here's when the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. You look at yeah, you, know, you go look at the fan scouting report on Bautista's arm strength last couple of years: 89, 91, 88, 86, 90, 68. Um, wow. it, it, it's down. I was listening to. Uh, uh, Matt Myers and, and Mike Petriello on the on the Statcast podcast the other day, mm-hmm. and they were talking about the uh, velocity of all the outfielder arms in Toronto. And uh, Bautista's lowest, eighty four miles an hour on his throws from the outfield. That's below anybody else. Wow. Uh, and so, and he's out there in right field. And they were making the case, like in this Cleveland series, uh, you know, why why wouldn't I be taking the extra base? 
uh, you know, when you, if you've got a first to third from right field and just challenge Bautista all day long because and, and even and even Carrera when he's out there can't throw well either. Uh, no, and so you P- got Pilar's Pilar. Pilar is not one. his big thing. Right. Like, He's just going to get the ball efficiently and, 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 and get you that way. I mean, I'm not necessarily running at will on, on Pilar, but I'm definitely running um, on on those other guys 100%. Yeah. So uh, I don't think either of them return. Um, I, I just – the concern – if they want to, if they want to pay one, then it's going to have to be Encarnacion. I, I wouldn't personally wouldn't be throwing the money at at, at Bautista either. Let some let him move on and take it. Let somebody else take the risk there. Um, but I, I, the open market demand. If I'm Encarnacion's agent, I'm like, dude, no hometown discount and get out there because you, no, the consistency, more. everything. It's his last contract. Uh, the consistent numbers he's been able to put up. Uh, it's just awesome to watch him, what he does. And Rizzo, he, yeah, keep going inside. Just like Eno said, if you didn't read Eno's uh, inside piece on ESPN the other day about how to pitch to Rizzo, and they kept saying, just jam him, jam him, jam him. That was so good. By and, the way. and Kershaw just got inside his wheelhouse, and, and Rizzo still Ooh, almost took it out. <laughs> that one's going. I'm a little bit behind because I'm doing the uh, okay. Time Warner app on my iPad yeah. here, and it was, it was just, just right when you just were saying that. I was watching it. that. That was that was a majestic foul ball. Yes. I know it's a weird phrase to say, but that it really was a majestic foul ball there. Um, all right, let's move on and talk. Speaking of Jose Bautista, this is new. He's now crying foul. He's going. He's going. He's going. Donny T on us right Sad. now. Sad. Sad. And I don't like it. No, because I like I'm one of those I'm one of the those guys that likes Bautista. I know I know he uh, pisses and moans too much. I can fully I can critique. I I know when he's in the wrong, but it doesn't keep me from liking him. And and but I'm looking at this and he's suggesting some wrongdoing um, oh, with so the nasty. umpires. I guess. Oh, yeah. I can't get behind this at all. What, what, what's he doing here? What, what, so what he was bitching about. He was saying that there was like like when I read the quote, it was just so strange because he was saying that Cleveland was it was not throwing pitches down the middle. Like this was like that's a, a desirable thing. They're not letting me hit it. I gotta find the I gotta find the exact quote because it was just weird. Okay, here's the exact quote. All you gotta do is look at video and count how many times Indian pitchers throw pitches over the heart of the plate. It hasn't been many, really. I mean, that's a goal. The um, goal is they've to been not able do to do that because of the circumstances. That I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to talk about because I can't. That's for you guys to decide. But you guys don't really want to talk about that either. Sometimes the elements and the circumstances that we have to deal with as hitters don't go our way. I'm not really trying into that. Those are his exact words. So, uh, yeah, it's like rig pulls, sad. I, I guess we're going to have uh, a, a, a sect of Toronto fans watching the pitch FX machines to make sure that nothing's being rigged. Uh, right. You know, pitch tracker intimidation. I, I don't know. What, <laughs> this is this is stupid. Well, here's, uh, I mean, here's my here's biggest the thing. issue I mean, they're with just it, getting pitched. Honestly, this series should be a 1-1 split. Estrada made one bad pitch. I mean, if you didn't get to watch game one, uh, for, um, most of you guys listening probably did, but Estrada pitched a beautiful game. It's so unfortunate he had to take that loss. Just one bad pitch because he was he was ridiculous, man. Uh, I mean, d- just working the fastball up, pulling that change up, pulling the string on that change up. I, some of those changes, I didn't think were going to make the plate, and dudes were just hacking at them. And like I said, I could watch Hendricks and Estrada pitch all day against one another because that was such a beautifully uh, a pitch game on both on Klubot and uh, uh, and Estrada. And it I, really I, I want to see that match up again. It was it was a hell of a game. Now, with regards to this, with regards to Matisse's claims, have you noticed that low energy Eno Saris and uh, little Ken Rosenthal won't cover it? Yeah, have you, have you noticed that? I mean, it's just sad. sad. It's just it's sad. <laughs> it's sad. Such biased. <laughs> They're talking the international group of baseball writers and refusing <laughs> to cover. Uh, it, it is sad. Oh, I think Mike Gianella, I saw a tweet earlier. He went back and looked at the uh, uh, the Brooks baseball pitch plots of the first two games. Right down the middle. And I think it's like 11 pitches called erroneously against Toronto and 10 against Cleveland. Yeah. Something like that. And then somebody split. pointed out and said, hey, there's one pitch. There's one of them that, that's an error. The first pitch of the game of game one was, was erroneously tracked. So it may be a 10-10 split. Um, it's just, no. It, it, this was not something. Not this is now you know. It, think before you speak. This is one of those. Doc- he should have just not have spoken. Is he also saying that like they're doctoring the ball? Is that is that also part of it? Uh, I I don't know. I guess it's all for us to guess. But if they can't throw anything straight, who knows? 
Yeah. Not, not a good look, Jose. I usually have your back. I don't have your back here. I wasn't. I didn't see any of the whole my, – my whole thing of when the Rays would play Boston, they'd come into Tropicana Field, Boston, they would be putting bullfrog on their forearm because I guess you can get sunburned in, inside Tropicana. Uh, when – you see Uahara and you see you see Cletus do it all the time. Well, They'd always be thing, doing that stuff. When that happened, when when it first got called out, it was by Jack Morris in Toronto. And it was the whole like, does he really need the sunscreen here in the closed dome of Toronto? Right. right. And so yeah, to your to your point there. And you know, I know that there a lot of that goes on with with even the pine tar, even the pine tar that Pineda used. If you hadn't put f- five gallons of it on the side of your neck, it, no one would have been any of the wiser because, generally speaking, other teams want guys to have some that's grip. That's why they it's never okay. talk about it. That's why you never – unless it's completely egregious, nobody exactly. ever says anything. If they you want almost, a nice they old book – They forced his hand. They forced their hand. It ain't cheating if you don't get caught by Dan Gutman. Uh, is a paperback book I picked up at a used bookstore in California years ago, and I'm holding it in my hand right now because it's on my bookshelf. A great old read about scuffings, corking, spitting, gunking, razzing, and other fundamentals of our national pastime. Again, all 30 teams are doing this, and that maybe that's why Jose is saying he, he's not allowed to really talk about it because the last thing you want is uh, is Frank Cota going out there and saying, hey, and I, want, I want you else. to check Marcus Stroman. Just exactly. because. Just like Davey Johnson. I mean, Davey Johnson did it to... Um, uh, Joel Peralta one year. And, I remember and, and that, got, and he got tagged for it. Well, Peralta, they had Peralta. He do it because Peralta had showed everybody on the Nationals when he pitched for him. So it's like, well, these things. It's like you don't do that. But isn't you he know, talking about it though? By like this, this is the. I mean, I know we made the joke about the Trump stuff, and that's where the uh, the Eno and, and Rosenthal thing. For those of you that don't follow that stuff. I'm not actually making fun of Ken Rosenthal's size, but I, I am crushing Eno. So go ahead and tattle on me for that one. I, I'm a Eno has small hands. Guy. Eno has t- tiny hands. Just ask him. Just just shake his hand. He'll just be engulfing that tiny hand. No, uh, but but he's doing the Trump thing where you just kind of throw it out there and say, "But I'm not going to say anything about that." You just people did. are saying you did people everything are saying, you wanted to do. Yeah, people pe- are saying people are saying people are saying. Get out of here, Jose. I didn't like it. Uh, it it's tired when you're wow. when you're down 0-2. It, it's just tired. You're just getting beaten by by a team that that has been better than you uh, to this point. Tom went through a great game. Klubot, of course, did. That bullpen has been fantastic. Andrew Miller's completely unhittable. I swear to God, if he gives up a hit, I don't know. What, my world's going to crumble just because it's going to be so weird. You know, yeah, I, Andrew I, Miller watching him pitch right now is like playing PS4 and having your pitcher maxed out on 99s on everything. All 99s, and you're playing rookie. Like, Holy that, that, crap. That's, that's what it's like right now. And, you know, they, they, they do these roster updates uh, during the season. They're not going to do another one until after the World Series. I have a feeling that he's going to be going up from his current 94 rating to a 99 because he needs, he needs to be – impossible they need to figure out they need to do some hidden ratings and make him like a 108 they need to make him harder because he's utterly absurd all right jason we're gonna finish up a little bit talking about uh some of this late inning play over the over the two games well mostly of last night's game because i think that was the one that you were able to watch um what, what's catching your eye with, with some of these some of these late inning situations you know really the last night when they when they intentionally walked uh, Coglin to force yes. Madden to take out Aroldis Chapman. You know, in theory, you, you, you agree with it because... Yeah, you I know, didn't hate it. I didn't but hate it. it. When it, it happened, it I'm like... Work. Yeah, it didn't work. And so I <laughs> saw a lot of people going, ah! or, or when uh, Zobris had the leadoff double... This was about because in this inning, let's let's not forget Zobers had a leadoff double, and yes. then they wanted they wanted uh, people were like, oh, maybe he'll bunt him over to third. I'm like, Joe Madden is not wasting an out in the late innings to, to move to a third. guy over 90 feet, and then two outs later, Zobers is still sitting on second. I'm getting a lot of on Twitter. Maybe he should have. Maybe he should have butted. And then you see how the inning plays out. So, uh, well, so they get the ground out. Addison Russell grounds out third right. to first. So you're able to hold Zobers. And that was there. on Russell. But if you want, you go back and watch that at bat. Russell's up 3 0, or he's up 2 0. When he, he chased the, the strike one that he swung at, was out of the strike zone. He's up in the he's up in that count and he was jumpy at that at, in that at bat and he chased the pitch out of the strike zone when he was up in that count that 
that was unfortunate, and that's a mm-hmm. young hitter. And then Absolutely. he over then he overswung on the other one and got the ground ball to the left side, which is the last thing he wants to do. But the when they saw him, contact he could have done. They saw when they saw him chase that one pitch. Like, okay, you know what? He's going to be that aggressive. Here comes a slider. Uh, and that's what Blanton threw him. Here comes the slide piece, and he, tra- he was trying to pull it, and he ended up. I mean, he was he didn't want to pull it, but he ended up rolling over the slide piece and went right to the left side. Worst thing he could do. And then he got. Um, so what, then they, remind then they me of the second walk out. Hayward, right. which I did like because now you got the double play set yep. up, and you got Baez coming up, who you know is going to be aggressive. He flies out on first pitch too. First yes. pitch up, and that's how they've been to pitching. To my point about look, his aggression. If you go back and watch the first uh, Kershaw, uh, the first at bat against Kershaw, he struck out tonight. Fastball up at a, uh, up uh, chin level. He swung mm-hmm. at it. So he's, you know, that's he's trying to do everything. That's still the exuberance of yeah. some of these Cubs that 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 they're having. But they're getting, you know, they have such a deep lineup that yeah, there might be a couple guys who are off that night being too aggressive. But then there's other guys picking them up. So then this is where it comes. To make the move. Uh, they pinch hit Chris Coughlin for David Ross. And they, they intentionally walk Coughlin to force the move of get Chapman out. Which you had to know they, were gonna, they weren't going to let Chapman bat there. Right? I mean that. There no, was it was just abs- no way. That so was they, absolutely the right move. They did what they wanted to do. But then of course it's a grand slam. So I, I don't know. I actually didn't hate the move. I liked forcing Chapman out of the game because you're feeling like, how are we going to hit this guy? Again, we already talked about how he's had some some hits against him. In fact, earlier uh, in the in that eighth inning, he'd given up two runs. But you're still terrified of seeing him in the ninth with a deficit, uh, or, or I guess the game was tied. So you're going to be facing him in a tie game. So you're going to force a move for a bench guy. It ends up being Miguel Montero and then Grand Slam, Joe Blanton. Uh, pretty much game over at that point. It wasn't a walk-off, obviously. Uh, Fowler tacked on another one. Again, I, I don't hate the move. It did not work. It absolutely did not work, obviously, at this point. But how many times do we have to say, don't, don't judge by the result, judge by the process? Exactly. And, and I thought this process had merit. I really did. The only thing I'll fault Roberts on is once Montero was announced, I turn him around. I make okay. him. I make him bat right-handed because yeah. if you just this year alone, he's been a hot mess against lefties. I mean, just nothing. He has um, zero extra base hits against lefties this year. Ooh, albeit, okay. albeit only forty that, plate then. appearances, but he had two hundred and eighty-four plate appearances this year, and two hundred and forty-four of them were against right-handed pitching. And, now, and he all, wasn't even that great homers. against them either, but all eight home runs and all 17 of his extra base hits came against righties. I would have at least turned around once he's announced. Now, if you bring in the lefty, uh, I forgot the lefty they had up. Uh, it would have been 75. Dayton, right? Yeah, the, Dayton. The, the guy who ended up coming in just a little bit later. Yes, it would have been Dayton. So even if you do that, I don't know who was on the bench at that point. If, if you were worried, like, are you bringing Dayton? He's going to bring up a righty who I don't know who was. Was Contreras still on the bench at that point? Was that his trump card? That because he's got Ross and he's got Montero and he's got Contreras. Yeah, because Contreras ended up replacing. It would have been Contreras. Okay. So, do, so never mind. I, have, I have no fault. No, I would rather have faced Montero than face Montero Contreras in that situation. Blanton, yeah. Then Dayton versus uh, Contreras. Let's see what Dayton's doing. I mean, Dayton. Dayton has been really good this year. Here and here's yeah. the thing. Uh, even in that at bat against Montero, he the the pitch before was crap. I mean, mm-hmm. he missed he missed the one, and that was and that should have been crushed too. And yep. then Montero he threw it again, and Montero's like, "I got this one." Thank uh, you for giving me that one again. Yeah, Bye. he got, he went right back to the same one, and it was just one of these things where I, I guess Montero was looking somewhere else, and he let the first one go by. But he's like, "Oh, if he throws that again, I'm crushing it." Uh, but yeah, if, if I think back to that, I wasn't aware who was left on the bench because I wasn't listening to the audio at that point. Um, so if if it, if it would have been okay, I bring in the lefty, and he brings in if he brings in uh, Contreras, that's a tougher matchup. Even though it, it, you know it's 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 Dayton is still going to be a tougher matchup uh, to that point. And um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, so I, I I can get behind that. Then um, Contreras, I think, is just such a better hitter. Even in, in, even being such a young guy who doesn't have. A, much under his belt it's just such a better hitter right now than than Miguel Montero that yeah let me go ahead and I know Joe Blanton is a punchline at times in fact has been on this on this very show I've, I've we've talked about the other guy I compare to him Josh Tomlin um <laughs> even with that if you're oh, no, unfamiliar with what Blanton's rate. done they're this year he's been fantastic 
They're talking spin rate on the on the on the broadcast right now. Yay! Oh, are they crediting Eno? Um, one of the guys, I'm not listening, I think it's obviously, Phil Rogers from about the Cubs. He's a Cubs beat writer. He was on yeah. MLB Network uh, some, at some point in the summer talking spin rate, and he said, "As our friend Eno Saris likes nice. to talk about spin rate." Yeah, I should. hope Eno remember us when he, as he keeps crawling up the ladder. Right, remember he'll us, little to, people. Maybe, like, maybe we're going to be in Arizona. We'll be in Arizona two weeks together. He'll be out there by himself. He'll be like, oh, I'm, "I'm sorry, I'm too busy on the phone." Hey, sorry guys, I got to go in the uh, GM's office and hang out. Yeah, I'm seeing Tim Tebow's grip on his throat from the outfield. Sorry. Oh, hey. Um, speaking of, little tangent. Did you see what Keith Law wrote about him? Ooh, that was a little not even not, not even saying harsh because it's very true. Um, uh, but it's yeah, it's true. But it was pointed. Let's 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 call it that. Did it need to be that intense? What? Oh, I just missed it. Um, yeah, that was a little harsh. Uh, to that point, but decimated him. Holy cow! And I know that that's that's law. Law is not going to sugarcoat things, and no. that's what most people really like about him. So I I get that, but oh my god, I can't. I could not believe. For those of you that don't know, I'm not even going to spoil. I'm not going to read the whole thing here. Just Google Tim Tebow Keith Law. It'll come right up. Even if you don't have Insider, other sites have quoted it. And and you'll be able to get the full rundown and put on some flame retardant clothes because the the fire comes through. Yeah, it, it, it's just utterly devastating. They come through on the hot, on the on the hot takes replies too. Oh oh, it's it's fierce. All right, Jason, we're gonna go ahead and go. Uh, oh yeah, hey, but before we do that, I wanted to um um I mentioned this on Twitter the other day, but uh, we're we're trying to put together a live recording of First Pitch Arizona of this particular show, mm-hmm. and one of our listeners is James is is willing to help us out with that. So big thanks to him uh, for working with the hotel to try to figure out the sound system and all that kind of stuff, and that's pretty awesome too. So um, hopefully that all comes together. I, th- I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna. So we're gonna be we're gonna be having that. Uh, you know, and I'll be back at some point next week. Again, we're again we're keeping spor- it's gonna be sporadic, little bit a uh, little bit disjointed for the rest of this month. But then once November starts back up, you can expect more of a schedule, and we'll talk about that. We're actually gonna have some 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 news on that. So so stay tuned. Deal with the please bear with us during October here. We're kind of getting a little bit of a breather, a little bit of a decompress yeah. while we watch the playoffs and, and, and uh, take a little bit of time off before we jump right back in, because <laughs> there isn't too much of an off season. We got to get no. right back into it. I mean, we're already still in it, but it really dials right back up to almost peak level again in November. Cause sure. then you start getting all the off season magazines and books and preview things that you're going to do. And then the winter meetings will start and then we'll have free agents. Agency. There's not a great free agent class this year. It doesn't mean that's not still going to be heavily covered. And then I think there's going to be a lot of trades. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm seeing trades then. With the weak class, I think we're going to end up seeing seeing trades replace kind of the uh, free agency. So uh, yeah, uh, I agree. I think you and I, us. yeah, you and I, we're, we're going to aim for one more before we go to Arizona. Yes, uh, because that gives us uh, yeah, it gives us uh, three weeks. Yeah, one more. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I guarantee. Well, it would have to be like next weekend because I'm out Halloween weekend. I have. Uh, I'm going to be in Philly that entire okay. weekend for a wedding, so I'm definitely out for the list. List aim for next week, um, and uh, hopefully we'll have some. Uh, next week should be. We should be into the World Series. You would hope, right? So yeah, yeah, and we, so we should have two. We should have two next week uh, between me and you uh, on Sunday, and then Eno and I at least once next week. So look for two two podcasts next week. Um, and hopefully some some great LCS to to discuss. I'm sure there will be. This game's already been excellent. All I these think, games uh, have been excellent. I, they, I was I was talking to somebody. This postseason playoff, has right? been yeah, it's been great. I mean the, the 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 wild card games, the you know the the Connor Gillespie's, the you know, all this all this stuff has been the awesome. Pitching. It the is truly the pitching's been. been terrific it's, it's been great it's been really it really, really has good. been yeah uh, a I, lot of fun decisions i think honestly i actually agree with this i it's hard it's easy to say this i think and and you know it's hard to, to kind of prove it or disprove it i do think that the britain move has in, impacted other managers to not be as cautious about their usage now it hasn't influenced terry francona he was already doing this if anything he's also contributed to this but i think the britain blow up and the backlash that it got and deserved by the way i thought that was an awful one million percent indefensible move but i think that all the heat that that has drawn has made managers a little bit more aggressive and frankly i love it because 
stop with the waiting for especially us especially in the playoffs jason a save who the hell cares and i understand it's not just the save you want to have somebody that you can trust to get those outs but if you never get to that situation what does that theoretical now, i will say this though I, I will say this with andrew miller he's already got his contract saves don't matter to him a- absolutely he's already absolutely. getting paid in Kenley Jansen's a free agent after this year. So does he truly matter to the Dodgers after this year? No, he doesn't. And, so for um, him getting used the way he was, I mean, yes, credit. I have all the respect in the world for Francona. Uh, and I think Dave Roberts has done a tremendous job as a, as a rookie manager, uh, you know, uh, to get this far in the postseason. But the way they used Jansen, that's exactly how I ride that horse. If I, if he's a free agent and you know somebody's going to go out there and pay him that closer dollars, and you know at, at the way the Dodgers think, like yeah, we can replace him. Somebody else can do that. We're not going to pay him that money. You absolutely ride him like this. But it has been well, fun I, to watch these guys come in and make a difference in the middle part of the game. I frankly don't understand why they didn't do that more for him. It's like this is a guy who I feel like should have been handling seventy-five to eighty inning workloads. Yes. throughout his career and yep. he did at age 25 he got 76 and two-thirds innings kenley jansen did but since then it's been 65 52 68 i think the 52 i think he was hurt a little bit last year uh so there there's the reason for that but the the others were full seasons and he's under 70 i think that that's a travesty so um, i agree with you though that's a good point that they might be using him even a little having the gas on even another level because like hey we're not even. We're probably not even going to get him. You know, maybe, maybe they're maybe they're planning to go right after Chapman or somebody else. But as 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 kind of weak as the free agent class is, it does have Jansen, Chapman, and Melanson. And after another postseason where we're seeing how just how overwhelmingly important bullpen is, yeah, I think we could see some really big bucks for all three. Now, Melanson doesn't throw as hard, but he's still super effective. So I yes. think all three of those guys will be fun to watch. Hey, I and do maybe, have. Uh... I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, go ahead. I was going to say one more random thought. Is Jason Hayward's defense that valuable in this game that he has to be in the lineup? when K- He looks completely no. useless against Kershaw. No, it's completely. not. Because, because I don't know that uh, – well, I don't know if he's on the roster, so you guys can correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but I don't know that Albert Almora doesn't play enough defense to merit the start. You know, he, he, defense is Albert Almora's calling card anyway – and so you get him in against a lefty, which in his small sample, that's who he excelled against. And granted, it's Kershaw. So if you're going to concede that, you know, um, there's probably not going to be a ton of hitting against him, why not put in the guy who at least has a better chance? And I, I, honestly, I'm just looking honestly, at the, these, right these at bats are just like what? Uh, Almora is on so the post. He is on the roster. So uh, I would have so started Solaire personally. Uh, and yeah, there's another one. You could have started Solaire. Now, Solaire's defense isn't as good, but I think he's an even better chance of hitting just the way right now Hayward is taking at-bats. Hayward had a god-awful season, Jason. You look at somebody like a, a Harper who had a, a bad season for expectations but salvaged it fantasy-wise with right. 2020. He went 24-20. and 20. Hayward didn't even have any fantasy salvaging. He had a god-awful triple slash that yielded a 70 OPS plus, and then with it, only seven homers and 11 stolen bases. That's terrible. Freddie Galvis seen Madden hit do, I've seen, yeah, no kidding. I've seen Madden do this before, um, but it's like he'll leave the guy in and he'll, he'll hit him down in the lineup, but now I'm not even paying attention to see what part of the lineup that Hayward's hitting in, but if he's Let's not see. hitting seventh, in this case, I don't understand why he's in there tonight. Let me see. I'll, I'll tell you that, and then we'll wrap up here. Because I saw Baez broke up the no-hitter. But yeah, he's he feels like All right, he so has yeah, Okay, there we go. So if he's going to be in the lineup, hit him in front of the pitcher. But I guess they really value the defense because he looks completely overmatched. Not like he looks any better against righties. Um, it's, but it's been brutal. It looks terrible. It's a bummer. I really like Hayward, but he's been – He's been rough now for a couple years. Oh, well, last year, was good. last year was good with the Cardinals, but the year before that was was weak. So like, he hasn't been the same the guy. He hasn't been the same guy since you got his jaw smashed. Uh, he really hasn't. He really hasn't. And then I just think injuries in general too. Uh, I think hasn't he had like a shoulder? So you, you yeah. look at stuff that's just kind of like either denting his confidence and or his power. And this is what we're left with. So I, I agree with you. I probably would have started somebody else myself. All right, Jason, we're gonna go. Uh, we'll be back next week. Until then, enjoy the playoffs. Yep.
Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. The baseball season is winding down, but we're about to have the two biggest months of the regular season. So you're definitely going to be wanting tickets. If your team's in, con- in, in contention, you might be making a decision kind of at the last minute. You know what? It's Tuesday night. Let's go ahead and go. You jump on SeatGeek. And you're going to guarantee yourself the best prices, even with that sort of uh, game day type of buying, as opposed to buying them in, in advance. And because SeatGeek is the only place I ever go to look for tickets to a game or concert, that's 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 kind of how I know. I, I actually use the product here. I have the app on my phone, and it, it's great. It's taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. Now, our listeners will get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do to get that $20 rebate is download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R, and then SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today.